This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Oh, Reed Maris, how's it going? It's once again my pleasure to introduce you to the first ever sponsors of the Blue Army podcast. That's right, I'm talking about the old fire station Carlisle and this time we have an event for you that is specially tailored towards the listeners of the Blue Army podcast. It's a Q&A and an evening discussion with none other than former Carlisle United manager Mick Wadsworth. That's right, Mick Wadsworth, the promotion winning manager from 1993 till 1996. A manager that had such players as Rory Delap, Richie Prokas and the late great Tony Hopper in his squad. So once again it will be a and a and a discussion with Mick Wadsworth which I'm sure will be a fantastic evening. All of this is in aid of Eden Valley Hospice and is taking place on the 6th of May. Tickets cost £12.50, details of the event and many, many other events are available at the Old Fire Station's website which you can find by typing in www.ofscarlisle.co.uk Once again that is www.ofscarlisle.co.uk Get your tickets now and don't miss out, it's going to be a great night. My name is Chris Miller. My name is Paul Anderson. My name is Mark Boyd, and you're listening to the Blue Army Podcast. Hello, my name is Derek Combs, and I listen to the Blue Army Podcast. This is an alright opening story. Um, I remember spending like about 25 quid on one of them Champions League footballs when I was about like, I don't know, 12, 13, thinking this would be sick. And everyone's done this. Like everyone's bought themselves like a really nice football. You don't bounce it on the concrete. Like you only ever let grass touch the surface of the ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Though? That's why you're laughing. Yeah. Like we've all, we've all taken pride in a certain type yeah. of football. And mine was that Champions League ball that just had them nice star effects on it. 
you know which one I kind of mean? Like the it's a classic design, mm. Champions League, yeah, or white white and black. Yeah. Um, I think it's synonymous with uh, with a Real Madrid team or a Barcelona team, like that kind of Ronaldinho era uh, kind of vibe. But it was my pride, and I loved that football. And um, I didn't want to. I I I didn't want to uh, lose that football. But my brother took it out into the back garden, kicked it about a little bit, and it ended up in the neighbour's yard. And the dog had it, and it was game over. And um, I don't think I spoke to my brother for about a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a similar one. It was one of the quite expensive, like the Mitra ones that they use in the Premier League. And uh, mm. I, I used to just kick that. A- I kicked it against the fence in my garden um, and it hit a little sticking out bit, bounced just up right over my fence and on the railway line opposite. And I sometimes the railway men would throw them back into my garden because they knew which one it was because it, they, they were all, always all the cheap shitty ones were knocking about on there. But I, I, I never saw that one ever again, and I was, I'm still I'm still fuming to this day that that's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I like that the actually used to throw the shit ones back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know exactly, yeah. And you know why then, you know why. Because <laughs> they didn't want the shit ones. <laughs> right, uh, we'll, we'll crack on, mate. I'll, I'll get things started. Hey, that's a lovely little story. <laughs> well, it's both tragic stories. They're both tragic stories about loss, actually. It's a terrible, terrible way to yeah. start the podcast off. Both of us just mourning the loss <laughs> of our footballs from our childhood days. <laughs> oh, dear, mate. Oh, dear. Oh, Reet Maris, how's it gone? And welcome back to the Blue Army podcast. This is episode 62. And for the second week in a row, I don't know how I've done it, but I've managed to get a young YouTube sensation to clear his schedule for another hour of conversation with me. That's right. I'm talking about Blue Army TV's Liam Denwood. How are you doing, Liam? Thanks for joining me. Yeah, brilliant to be back on. It's 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 all going well at the minute, Just off and on the field, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm glad to be back on. How are you doing, mate? Ah, oh, grand, man, grand. Apart from now feeling a little bit sad about my Champions League ball, uh, I'll get over it though. I'll get over <laughs> it, and I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what might stop us from getting the blues, mate. Is um, the Blue Army podcast joke of the week? We got traditions, we got good times, so let's keep the good vibes going with the Blue Army <laughs> podcast. Joke of the week. Is he having a laugh? I think he's trying to. As if I don't have enough content to talk about this week, I, I decided to make that longer for some reason. Uh, <laughs> we got a lot to get through this week as well. Um, right. What do you get when you cross? You ruined it last week as well, I remember. <laughs> what do you get <laughs> when you mix a vampire with a snowman? I don't know. Frostbite! <laughs> I'll let you have it this week. Yeah, <laughs> you let me have it. You let me have it. You you couldn't have think of a punchline for that one. <laughs> oh man, last week was good though. I couldn't believe it. The first person ever to beat me to a punchline. Hats off to you. Um, right, let's crack on with the positive vibes and good times as we move on to 
the birthdays and this week's birthdays, mate, I'm sure I'm going to start you off with two players that you've most definitely heard of. The first person is Ben Marshall. He turned 31 this week. Ben Marshall, you must remember him making some blistering runs down the right-hand side. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely heard of him. Uh, decent player. Happy birthday. <laughs> uh, ben Marshall is a, a lad that, 31 years of age, he, he, he is retired from the English game. Uh, after playing at Carlisle uh, on loan, he went on to, he had two loan spells at Carlisle United, sorry, and then uh, went on to play for Sheffield Wednesday, then Leicester, then Blackburn Rovers. So he was making really good progress in, in his footballing career, playing through the divisions, making himself, you know, quite a nice reputation. But apparently he was into a few things off the field, which kind of started to stunt his opportunities. And when he was at um, let's have a look. When he was at Blackburn, he was loaned out to Millwall. When he was at Norwich, he was also loaned out to Millwall. So it's one of those players that very talented, but just couldn't seem to get his head round the fact that he has to behave himself and and actually apply himself as a footballer. I don't think he's got any remorse about retiring. Uh, so early. I think he just kind of fell out of love with the game. Now, Liam, as two people that absolutely love talking about football, could you ever imagine like that state of mind, being able to fall out of love with the game? Is there anything that could push you that far? Uh, no, honestly, you're saying that, no. But I think he started off at Man United and there's always been problems with that sort of youth setup. Of, of having that sort of spoilt mentality, I feel. And maybe that's where it's come from. But no, honestly, it, even if even if I got into like the Work It in Reds team or anything like that, I'd, I'd just be privileged to be in semi-professional. It's probably not going to happen, but... <laughs> but yeah, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine you've got such an... You're playing professional football at a young age. You're so privileged. You know, why, why would you go off on... It, it doesn't make sense to me. I can't wrap my head around myself. No, I mean, like now you've mentioned that whole thing about the Man United youth mentality and the kind of problems that they've had with players going through that youth system. Obviously, at the moment, what Mason Greenwood's going through, he's disappeared off the face of the earth. His opportunities yeah, exactly. at playing at the World Cup have completely disappeared. And you don't want to accuse people of uh, certain things. You know, it is going to court. There will be a verdict at the end of the day. But... You know, that kind of behaviour and those kind of accusations do come from the kind of personality that feels entitled to things. But we'll, uh, we'll move yeah. away from the serious stuff. Yeah, right? <laughs> It's a big professional team. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, another one uh, that you'll remember, mate, is Harry McCurdy turned 25 uh, this week, oh, a player Christ. that... <laughs> a player that we've discussed <laughs> a few times on the podcast. And, uh, I believe you're not you're not too much of a fan of Harry McCurdy, are you, mate? I probably I wouldn't have even given him the, the the time on the podcast if I'm honest with you. I wouldn't. <laughs> but nah, he's just he, he's got such a he's got such a lack of respect for his former clubs, and I just nah, I I don't even want to give him I don't even want to give him the uh, the time of day. Nope. Well, not, well, he's not getting a happy birthday off you, mate. But he turned 25 this nope. week. The other birthdays this week <laughs> include um, Byron Webster, who turned 35 this week. 
Nathaniel Knight-Percival, who also turned 35 this week. Tony Cars turned 36 this week. And Anthony Omerod turned 43. Uh, the latter two, obviously, players out of your era. But I do have to say, some of the nicest-looking Carlisle kits you can find, mate. <laughs> like, there's a beauty that Anthony Omerod is wearing. If you can find this image of Anthony Omerod wearing his Carlisle United shirt. It's it's modelled off the one, uh, with it, the similar one, how we're using it now, but the stripes are just very different, you know, and the way the neckline is done is just very different. It's very cool. It's a very cool kit. Yeah, and I've, do you know I've what they don't picture. do anymore, mate? Yeah. Do you know what they don't really do anymore? They don't care enough about the shorts and the socks anymore. In the 80s and in the 90s, <laughs> people cared about the texture of the shorts. People cared about how they looked. People would do different things yeah. to shorts and socks and put logos and patterns on them. Now they're just like, you know, standard, aren't they? They're just like the colour of the shirt with the secondary colour as a they're trim. They're just playing on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, you know, if you if you had a full kit that looked decent and put a little bit it's, more effort into too... the design of it, you'd probably sell more of the full kit, you know? Yeah, it's all just too commercial now. It's 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 all focused on people are only going to really buy the shirts, so we'll put all our effort into the shirts and we'll just whack out some plain shorts. It even at the top division, it's like like you look at like just the lack of um, care for the design of the shorts on like Liverpool, Man City, Man United. They're all just plain red or white. Whereas you look at that that picture that you you've just seen me there, then there's not as much care put into it. As, as what it was back then. That's it. That's it. A lack of care, because it's all about the money, money, money these days, I think. I don't know. Aesthetically, you could do something a bit more. They've, they've let, they're letting, slowly, slowly letting the fashion of football down with every season that passes, uh, focusing on changing the bloody shirt every single season. That never used to be a thing. That's all about money grabbing. Teams would have a, have a sponsor for like two or three years before they would change the shirt. In the nineties, you know, it, it further back than that, they would never change the shirt, basically. But nowadays, you have to change a shirt every season, and it's eighty bar every season for every shirt. So it's all money grabbing, isn't it, mate? It's all money grabbing. I don't know how we got ourselves down this little rabbit hole now, uh, but we're going to dig ourselves out of it. Um, <laughs> this week, there was a, a video that surfaced of former Carlisle United, uh, Middlesbrough, and Blackburn. Rovers striker Danny Graham uh, playing in a charity game. Uh, Good for him for staying fit uh, or at least trying to stay fit. The comment section wasn't very nice about how Danny Graham was looking these days. Um, He cut quite a large figure, but he's still got a dead eye for goal. Uh, I, I don't know if he was in better shape in January. I, I genuinely don't know if he was in better shape in January. A lot can happen in three to four months. You can put on a lot of weight in three or four months if you're not trying to get signed by a professional football team anymore. Um, <laughs> with the videos that have surfaced and the comments that have been made, the way that Danny Graham's been received... Um, <laughs> would you would do you th- do you think that he m- was maybe in better shape in January and he was actually being looked at as a genuine signing and he's let himself go across the last three months or do you feel like he turned up at Carlisle looking like this and they were like nah? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'd I'd like to think he was in better shape when we were looking at him, or maybe maybe. 
no real proof of the paper talk that we were even looking at him in the first place, really. So it, it could all just be a load of shit. But yeah, I'd like to think if we were looking at him, he was in a lot better shape. But at the time, I'd you know, he scored two goals in that charity match. I'd have probably taken him as he is now. Back then, when we were focusing on Tristan Abraham's up top, he'd have probably done a better job even, even in his current shape. But yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd like to think he was a lot fair back then. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we all want to think that. <laughs> Whether or not that's the truth is a completely different story. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, he, he, he had a great time at Carla United. I, I like it when football can sort of like tell a story in a way. And so you get these these moments that come back. You get these players that can uh, come back. And it's great, man. It is great. It takes you down Nostalgia Avenue. And are we working? We're back on. Yeah, we're back on. Uh, this week has been 11 years to the day that Carl United won 1-0 at Brentford, um, against Brentford at Wembley. So it's the 11-year anniversary of the last time that we lifted a trophy, basically. Um, I was going to just sort of like cycle through the team a little bit uh, so we could maybe walk down Nostalgia Avenue twice this episode. Uh, I'm sure all these names will ring a very lovely bell in your head. This is probably the generation that got you into supporting Carla United, maybe. Maybe a little too soon, maybe a bit too early. Don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you, yeah, you, roughly you, this, roughly this, maybe yeah, a little bit. Yeah, better. the news and star have been kind enough to do a lovely little "Where are they now?" kind of a article. Uh, so once I've reeled off the names, if you want to find out what anyone's up to, just shout out their name, and I'll go back to them. So uh, the team that Carlisle brought with them to Wembley on this fateful day in 2011 included goalkeeper. Adam Collins, Frank Simek, Peter Murphy, Lubomir Mikulik, Matty Robson, Paul Thurwell, Tom Taiwo, James Barrett, Francois Zokol, Ben Marshall, they mentioned for the second time on the podcast, Craig Curran, Tony Cague was on the bench in go- uh, for the goalkeeper, Danny Livesey, Liam Noble, Rory Loy and Paddy Madden. Uh, is any is any of those guys that you've lost contact with? Would you like to would you like to know what they're up to now? Did you mention Peter Murphy? Peter Murphy, yeah. You don't know what Peter he Murphy's up to. He scored the goal there, didn't he? He did. <laughs> he is Mr. Goal Scorer. When Carlo yeah, needed a goal, it, it was Murphy. What are you saying? No, nah, it's just I, I just the one thing, because I remember they, they put this live on YouTube, didn't they, Carl, a, a couple of months back during Christ, there'll be more than that. In the middle of like the final, and I've watched that a couple of times since that header from Murphy. We, you know, we had a we had a, we had a really good team back then. <laughs> I mean, just reeling off them names, mate. Like in that back line: Frank Simek, international; Peter Murphy, international; Lubomir Mikulik, an international. Yeah, we had we had a very good team back then, mate. Peter Murphy's the one that stands out for me. I think he's our record appearance holder of, of an outfield player. You know, he's got that flag in the Warwick now. He played for Ireland. What what a player! What a player he was. He's 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 the standout star for me in that starting eleven. Peter Murphy. 
He's your standout guy. I mean, like when I was reading out some of those names, a, a number of them brought a smile to my face. I just like saying Tom Tywo. I, I just like saying Tywo, Tywo, Tywo. I just like that one. James Barrett was about 21, 22 when he was at Carlisle United. He had a couple of games in a season where he looked great. He looked unbeatable. He looked like a really good creative force going forward. And Francois Zoko, when you're talking about creative forces going forward, the kind of player that can just pull anything out the locker and win you a game, that's what Francois Zoko did the best. What's he doing now? He's a coach with Newark FC Academy. Um, so I've been mean, hats off to him. He's still working within football and he got himself over here and he's a player that if I interview an ex-Carlisle player that played with Francois, I always ask them how Francois was um, because he had all that talent, but some games he would just go completely missing. And um, he played at a higher level after leaving Carlisle. He went on to play at a slightly higher level, playing with Blackpool, who at that time, I think only had like seven professional players signed to them. And they were going through some terrible times um, on the way back down from that lovely Premier League high when they had Charlie Adams and, and all that kind of vibe. But he's one of them players that does really ring true with me. I always like to know what he's up to. And um, what's Tony Cage doing now? He was recently working with Scottish side Dundee United, but joined Newcastle as their head of academy goalkeeping in March. Well, good for Tony Cage. Um, a player that it, obviously Carlisle has a place in his heart. Um but he's been around and, he, and, and uh, he enjoyed his career from what we've all been told. Uh, another player that also went on to play for. We. Are we back? We're back. We're Is back. it worth doing this tomorrow? If it keeps going. Yeah. Oh, brother. Ooh. Okay, okay, okay. I really appreciate you uh, coming back on, mate, uh, so soon after the technical issues that we had yesterday. Um, <laughs> so uh, for the listeners, obviously, it might be a little bit weird. You might feel like we've jumped from a conversation to a different conversation. I'm going to try and edit it together in the best way I possibly can. But we've had a couple of tech issues this week on the Blue Army podcast. So welcome back to episode 62 of the Blue Army podcast. Liam Denwood has been kind enough to give me another uh, moment of his time to sort of complete the recording of this episode. So uh, thank you very much, Mr. Liam Denwood, for uh, for coming back. And uh, we'll, pick up, we'll pick up where we left off, basically. Um, we were just covering a little bit of news. We just walked down Nostalgia Avenue. We were talking about the 11-year anniversary of that 1-0 uh, victory at Wembley over Brentford. We talked a little bit about Francois Zoko. And uh, we'll just crack on with the news, mate. So, like, obviously, normally we cover loan news, injury news. There's a little bit of financial news to cover this week on the podcast as well. And I'll kick things off with the more boring news of the finances. Um, somehow, Brunton Park, the men upstairs have made a profit when it comes to turnover, uh, but yet made an increase on their debts. So uh, the handling of the club on the surface of things <laughs> is a little bit of a joke. Uh, if you've got money coming in, you should probably use some of it to get rid of those debts. Now, the reason the debts have gone 
up is because of the interest rates. That's just pretty standard uh, when it comes to loans. The longer you take to repay a loan, the interest rates can go up. Um, so it just seems to be uh, one of those things, mate, that it's it, it's just hanging over our heads still. No progress is being made on this debt, is it? No, with the debt thing, I mean, I was I was I read that financial report and I was sitting there thinking, am I stupid? Am I am I missing something here? How have we made a profit and our debt's gone up so much? Obviously, it is it is because of those uh, yeah, because of that interest rate. But I think what the club's sort of betting on is the sale of Dean Henderson from Man United because there's no confirmation of the salon clause that's in his contract, but. I can imagine it'll probably be some of like 10, 20%. And if he goes for he's currently valued at around 40 million. We're only 3 million pounds of debt. Even if it's 10, 10%, you know, we, we get 4 million from him. Um, but then on the other hand, they send him out on loan this summer and don't sell him. And then he stays at Man United and we're absolutely fucked because, yeah. <laughs> because we're, in, we're in that much debt now. And you, you've, you've got to look at what's happening. Obviously, with the, with the only minute, they've brought no success they've put us into more debt and you've got to think what have what have they done wrong because there are two ways of running the club and there's the preston model where they're not they're not in any debt at all but they've start sort of stabilized as a club you know, they're the only club in the league that, uh, in, in the in the in the football league that hasn't got any debt in their club at all and that's caused them to sort of, sort of stand still where they are in the league or you've got a bit of debt but you use that money to try and get primary success. So what our owners have done is brought no success, got us relegated a few times, and put us in shitloads amount of debt. And you just wonder, <laughs> you know, and, and people wonder why why there's, there's kickoffs around the top of the club. Well, that's it, man. At the end of the day, it's, it's, it is becoming farcical. It's the same debt that hangs over the club for like the last like ten years almost. It's crazy. And the fact is, it doesn't take that much money to get a team out of this division into League One. It doesn't take that much money. It actually just takes organisation, as we've seen with the impact of Paul Simpson coming in. And none of these new signings are on League... Uh, like are in the league top 20 for top earners. No one we signed in January is a league top 20 earner. Um, like th- that, They're not the kind of signings that we ever go after. Um, we can do really good with stealing players from the uh, the sort of like circling the drain team to the Scottish Premier League and also trying to get a couple of the youth lads that come over from your Sunderland, your Liverpool, your Manchester, your Newcastle, your Middlesbrough. Like We are in a good catchment area. It's just that everyone seems to think we're not. <laughs> That's the, you know, this country is really small and, and like we do need to step up and compete <laughs> so we can recruit better in certain situations. But as you've seen by evidence in this January, and I have made a note of this and we'll probably talk about it a little bit later on in the show, mate, when you look at Show Silver, Dennis, Simeu and Patrick all coming in in January, all making huge, huge impacts under Paul Simpson. I mean, it, on the surface of things, you might feel like you've got bad, like Tristan Abrahams, for all we know, Paul Simpson could get hold of him and turn him into a goal scoring right winger. You know, like at the moment, you just don't know. <laughs> it just seems to be if you get a good enough manager, if you get somebody that cares about the club, if you get somebody that can motivate the fans and get them behind the players, bring it in record attendances week in, week out, like you're already making more money. Like they've said, they're making that money. You could easily have that debt paid off within like 
two, three to four years if you had a couple of player sales that would help you out along the way. Without, I'm just taking the Henderson deal off the table because there's no point in thinking about things that aren't in our own control. Um, and this club could very easily wipe out that debt in in you know a two to three year period on its own by just grafting it out and getting a promotion with this sort of team that we have now. Um, it's just, and, and also I don't necessarily feel like two million pounds is a huge amount of debt hanging over a football team's head. If you're going to buy a football team anyway, you're probably going to end up spending a couple of million anyway. So to buy the club out of debt and then take over the club and its assets for a minimal amount of money, I still think we're a pretty good investment. And especially for where we are in the division, where we are in the country, the size of the stadium um, and the sort of like the, the way that things are now, on paper, we look like a, like a good investment apart from that debt. But again, that debt isn't crippling anyone, is it? We're not circling the drain like Bury. We're not that bad. You know, it's not that kind of a debt. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It, it's that's. I think the key word you used there was uh, for a minimal amount and from what I know of the board, I doubt that it go for a minimal amount. I could be completely wrong. They could be just be trying to get rid of this, the thing, but I, I, I doubt they'd accept just... I accept they'd just hand it over to somebody. I, I'd, I'd expect they would expect some money in return because that's... Since they came in, that's, that's sort of been their goal. And I mean, three, two to three million pounds is what we're in, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, but you look at other clubs, and I know we're not Barcelona, and we probably and we never will be, but they're in about two billion pounds of debt. And you know... you. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, still it's, buying players. it's comparable to that. It's still buying yeah, players. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's madness, mate. It's They're madness. We're we'll moving pounds of debt and they've been linked with Mossella. We're in two million pounds of debt. No, everyone's not like us. <laughs> yeah, it's mental. It is mental, man. And we're, we're not money experts. You know, we don't know the ins and outs of the back room. So we won't, we won't spend too much time on the finances of the club. But based on the information that is freely available to everybody out there, I mean, that's, that's my opinion. You've, you've voiced your opinion. We'll move on to the loan news <laughs> and the injury news, which, to be fair, hasn't really changed at all. It's a kind of a rinse and repeat situation. Taylor Chart has played a full 90 minutes for Gateshead. Unfortunately, though, their winning streak is over. They did lose 1-0 away to Brackley Town. Uh, Tristan Abrahams got off the bench for, you guessed it, five minutes towards the end of the game in which Grinsby Town won by two goals to one. And uh, Menezi Mempala, uh, the forgotten man, was forgotten once again as he sat on the bench for a full 90 minutes and watched his Weymouth side lose by three goals to nil i don't think there's anything more we can say uh, about the loan uh, we, we've kind of gone round circles last week so we don't need to dwell on it and as far as the injury news is concerned liam there isn't really any fresh injury news either obviously we've got the lads that are out until the end of the season jimmy tiore featured on saturday so there you go he's back he's fit norman's on the bench now he's back he's fit you know all the lads that were injured mella Norman, uh, they're coming back into the team now, giving Paul Simpson a couple of selection headaches, if anything. So I guess that's the thing that we can talk about when it comes to the injury news, mate, is, is these sort of new selection headaches that are happening for Paul Simpson. He seems very happy about them. He seems very uh, positive about the fact that he has a nice, fully fit squad to choose between. But, you know, we've got Skelly Shitstirer a little bit later on. 
Um, but at the moment, Simpson isn't the kind of manager. Simpson's quite a traditional manager, you could say. Like, he's got his sort of, like, old-fashioned mentalities. And especially when it comes to, um, if you've got a winning team, you don't really want to change it too much. So, with that being said, obviously, you've got these injuries that have happened in the midfield. And arguably, our best midfielder right now, who is fully fit, is playing at right-back. Uh, Mella's now back from injury, so you would be tempted to start starting Mella at right back, pushing Riley back into the midfield. Or are you? Do you want to carry on seeing Riley play right back? I, I, I'm a big believer of don't change the winning team, and we're in a lot of good form with Riley there. Um, Mella, Mella's a player that I really like, and he, he, he really sort of he's going to become a fan favourite just because of how we celebrate. You know, you look at the celebration he did against Bradford where he goes out with the Bradford City fans. The one he did at Tranmere after the equaliser, you know. <laughs> he's just, he's, he's a very good right back and it's it's them sort of decisions that I feel with Paul Simpson, I haven't felt like this with manager for a while. I don't really care what he picks because whatever it is, I believe he'll have made the right choice. And that's not something I felt with Milan or with Beach or with Presley or them or Sheridan or them kind of managers. I, I trust Paul Simpson, whatever he wants to do, whether that's put, whether that's to put Riley right back, whether that's to put Mella right back and put Riley in the midfield. I believe whatever he does, he'll make the right decision. No, it's 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 weird, isn't it? When you've got someone in charge that you just you can fully back with confidence, you don't doubt the selection uh, decisions that he's going to make. It's a it's a beautiful change uh, from how our season kind of started this year. Actually, no bullshit. Actually, our season started very optimistically. We were all thinking Beachy was going to take <laughs> us towards the playoffs. That seems like three or four seasons ago now. That's how long this season's felt. Um, but. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> with, with people coming back from injury, um, they're fighting now in these last couple of games. You know, arguably, we are safe at this point. Um, Simpson steers away from trying to say it in interviews, which is fair enough. That's a good uh, motivational tool for the players that he's got. What these players have got to play for, though, mate, is their career right now. Um, a lot of these lads... Uh, are in the last couple of months of their contract with us. And some of them haven't done that much to prove that they can actually play at this level of football. So if some of them aren't careful, you're going to see a couple of them drop into the non-league uh, next season and you'll, you'll you'll start hearing about them in the, uh, the non-league news roundups around. Um, but I'm talking about your Alessandras. I'm talking about your Teores. I'm even talking about you, Mellors. Mellors is a really good right back, like he said, but I can't imagine the replacement for Tanner is getting paid peanuts. And he's also an experienced right back. And when you've got an experienced right back, you take a risk every season to see when the legs are going to go. And if it happens on you and you're paying them a lot of money and the legs go, you knackered, you know, you've got, you've got, you've, you've pinned all your hopes on this right back that just can't keep up with these signings, these loan signings that Stevenage have from Chelsea, you know, this left winger that grew up in Croydon or whatever, you know, you don't, you don't have the, <laughs> the necessary assets to keep that guy pinned down as a right back. Now that's not to say that I don't think Kelvin Mella would make a really good centre back. Um, you know, I don't feel like he, he it would be impossible to envisage him moving inside. He's got the height, he's got the strength, and he's very vocal. Um, I, I think he's a natural leader of that Carlisle team, and he could step inside. But obviously, at the moment, we don't have any kind of right-backs. And I realise I've gone down a bit of a ramp there without making any kind of 
uh, essential <laughs> point. But um, at the end of the day, I've backed Mella all season long and I'll continue uh, to back Mella. Um, that's the end of the uh, the news portion of, uh, of of this week's show, and uh, we'll 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 move straight on ahead to a pre match crack. Uh, obviously, Carlisle did play on Tuesday night as well as Saturday, and we didn't really get the chance to discuss the uh, the Rochdale game too much. We don't really cover midweek games that often here on the Blue Army podcast, so we will just sort of like make a comment on the uh, on the result without diving too much into the game, and then we'll we'll have a proper crack about. Um, 2-0 losing against Rochdale on a Tuesday night. Not a lot of changes to the starting lineup from the Saturday. Um, and like, like we've already said, why change a winning formula? I feel like against Newport, that was a Tuesday night game and he did change a couple of things around for that. And uh, maybe he felt like we, we, we were lacking something. So this time around, Tuesday night game, he didn't want to change anything. Again, we don't question Simo. We let him do uh, what he wants when it comes to his uh, his selections. But um, <laughs> with that being said, did there seem to be a couple of tired legs for you on the pitch on Tuesday night against Rochdale? Uh, I thought with Rochdale, I thought, yeah, it, it, they just looked so, so out of it, so tired. And, and, and this isn't a game where they sort of played us off the park. It's the first time in a while I've I've seen us have more possession than the other team, but they just seemed a lot quicker, a lot faster, a lot fitter. And it's the reverse. It's the reverse result of of when they came to Brunton Park in one of Simpson's first games in charge. But Rochdale, it's a ground I've been to before, but I didn't go. I didn't go to that Tuesday game because I couldn't. But they, they just looked tired, and I think it's because. They're getting drilled so hard by a new manager because I can't imagine Beach or Millen would have had them training to the same intensity that Simpson will have. And then <laughs> yeah. playing two games a week on that win and run, there was going to be a game where they crash. And unfortunately, that was at Rochdale. But yeah, look, honestly, and, and then you know, they needed to bounce back. And I believe they did at Tranmere. And yeah, it, it, it's, it's, a diff- if it, it's a difficult result to take, but it was just, I think, a result of tiredness and fatigue with the players. Yeah, but the, the performance. I went. I went to Will's place, and we paid for the game on iFollow, and we watched it there. And uh, like the performance itself, like it wasn't like a bad two nil defeat. You know, it wasn't the kind of like a game that sends you away feeling unhappy with the performance of the team. Evidently, they did try. You know, they put the effort in. Uh, they just what it looked like was a team that has never been able to have the ball in, in, in a game this season. The sort of team that has been forced to play counter-attack football, the sort of team that doesn't retain the ball very well, the sort of team that doesn't build attacks at all, because we haven't had the chance. We've just had teams bombarding us and scoring goals past us all season so far until Simo's taken over. So on this, the first occasion this season where we play against a team away from home who are happy to sit back and defend then, you know, we have to figure out how to break them down for the first time this season. <laughs> so, on a Tuesday night game with a lot of tired players that are running out of ideas, we just we just kind of came a cropper, mate, didn't we, against Rochdale? Unfortunately, I don't think anyone is really upset about the result, though, are they? No. Well, it, it, it was a result. It was a game that looked like it was going to be really important, maybe just before Simpson took, took over when we're in that relegation battle. But because the players have given themselves that foundation of wins to sort of 
to be able to afford a loss like that. You know, it's it's not going to be have a, has it's not going to have an impact on the season like it looked like it was gonna when we look at the fixture list a few months ago. You know, I remember looking at the Rochdale game, thinking, right, them two games we need to win because they're going to be crucial games at the bottom of the league with another relegation fight inside. But because of them, that that six wins in seven or whatever it was. It, it's not an important game anymore and we can afford to slip up and we can afford to try new things. And it's not as heartbreaking as what it once seemed like it was going to be. Yeah, man, well said. That's exactly what it is. It's a change in mentality that, like, when we were looking at this fixture a couple of weeks ago, it was a must-win fixture. But, you know, nobody expected us to start beating playoff potential teams. And that's what we've been doing, you know. We've been beating teams that are in the top <laughs> six and seven. Um, so we weren't, we weren't expecting to pick up our points in those games. We're expecting to have to wait for these games against these teams like Rochdale to pick up the points. But thankfully, the mentality's kind of changed and we'll move forward to a slightly better result, still conceding two goals um, and, and, and there's a lot to talk about in this uh, particular game. So I'm happy I've got the highlight package loaded up and ready to go. But before we tackle the highlight package, as we always do here on the match crack, just before we get cracking on with the report, we start with the Carlisle United starting lineup for their game on Saturday against Tranmere Rovers, of which, Liam, you were in attendance. So we got Mark Howard in goal with <laughs> Mella, Simeu, Feeney, McDonald and Dickinson making up the back line with Gibson, Devine and Mellish on midfield duties with once again Dennis the Menace and Omari Patrick playing up front. Now, mate, there's been uh, obviously... People wondering what the crack was with Jack Armour. I've not really been able to uh, find any kind of injury news on Jack Armour. It doesn't look like he pulled up at all in the warm-up. Um, was he there at Tranmere? Was it? Was it? Did he travel with the squad? Did you? Did you manage to notice if he was there at all? But I didn't. I didn't see him. He wasn't on the bench, and I can imagine. Look, he's he's a very high quality player. Probably the most valuable asset that the club has at the minute. Such a young exciting fullback and I think if if Simpson wanted to rest him for a game he would have at least been on the bench so my understanding is that he's probably got an injury unless unless something's happened behind the scenes that we don't know about but yeah I, I, I've, and, and as well I thought we missed him in the game as well but yeah I, I have no idea what's happened to Jack Armour I didn't see him at the game but again again I wasn't actually I wasn't actively looking for him but I didn't notice him yeah, and obviously it'll. It, I'm sure it'll come to fruition. What whatever's going on with Jack, and obviously we wish uh, and hope that he's he, he's absolutely fine and everything's okay with him uh, going forward. But um, yeah, Dickinson filling in at left back. To me, Dickinson's played better at left back this season than he has anywhere else on the park. Um, he he just doesn't necessarily have the motivation or the positioning, and you can see that. In, uh, in in Tranmere's opening goal. Now, when we go through uh, the highlights now, I'm just going to have a little crack through the highlights, mate, because I always feel like this is the better way to do it. The first goal from Tranmere is a really good goal. It is a really good goal. But Carlisle are not at fault for the goal. It does look great. It's a nice, flowing, attacking move uh, with the ball going down the right-hand side. And unfortunately... It's, it's evident of the way that Tranmere have apparently been playing all season. What they're really good at doing is finding those gaps behind the fullbacks. And on this occasion, they're playing against somebody who isn't really a fullback on a day that maybe he wasn't expecting to be playing at fullback. And they find that gap 
perfectly in this moment. Dickinson is just too far away from his man and also too far away from his centre-back. And the gap is huge as the ball goes in behind them. Both defenders chase the ball and um, both of them are just too late to get anywhere near it. It's a simple knock across the six-yard box and it's well finished. Now, it is a good goal, mate. It was right in front of you guys. Um, I mean, on the day, (laughs) it must have just been an F-me kind of moment. But like when goals like that go in... And you can't really, it happens so quickly and you can't really sort of point at anybody in the moment and go, that was your fault. Uh, apart from, like I've said, the gap between the centre-back and Dickinson there uh, left the rest of the defence fairly exposed. When you're playing a back five, you don't necessarily think that you're going to get gaps that wide um, along the back. But evidence of a team that has been playing very well this season and scoring a lot of goals. And that was a good goal, mate, wasn't it? It was a good goal, but I think everyone at the ground sort of realised that it was probably Dickinson at fault because he just didn't look very good at that left-back role at all. I mm. I, I, I honestly believe that that goal doesn't happen if Jack Armour in the team because he was far too often Dickinson in that match, especially in the first half. You know, until they got the first man sent off, it was so, so overrun on that side and he just doesn't have the defensive capabilities that I think he needs to, to play that role. It looked a bit, not fat, but too big, maybe a bit too muscular. I think he needs to lose a bit of weight to play that left-back role or that you know that winger role. I think he, he was poor all game. He was constantly getting dragged out into space, constantly yeah. letting foot cross in from the box. You know, so much Jack Armour maybe is a lot better than him at, is, is blocking the cross. And I think you look at the goal, um, Morgan Feeney's expecting Dickinson to block the, sh- to bo- to block the cross. And it he just didn't do the left back role good enough. I'd have taken him off at half time, but yeah, it, it it was a very but and Tranmere are a very high quality team. And if we have mistakes like that, they're gonna make us pay. And they and they really did in that first bit. Yeah, yeah, it was it was evidence of a team that were have been playing high quality football, high quality attacking football all season. It reminds me of the kind of football we were playing on the beach when we went through that really good run of form. We scored some goals very similar to that between uh, the ball going from Amari Patrick into JJ um, and vice versa. We scored a lot of goals last season with this kind of attacking move. So it did remind me of Carlisle last season under Beach. Now, the next highlight, mate, is the first sending off. So that's quite a large gap because the first goal went in in the first 15 minutes of the game and then the sending off happens in the 40th minute of the game. So as you were there, mate, at Tranmere, with them being 1-0 up before the red card, before the sending off, how was the game going? How were Carlisle playing? Were we retaining the ball? Were Tranmere continuing to dominate in the first half before the sending off? It reminded me a lot of the late Enorian game, Simpsons' first game in charge, where they had most of the ball we were defending really well. Like they were getting maybe crosses into the box. You know, all our weaknesses came from Dickinson's side that I noticed. But when we were, when they were getting them crossing into the box, Simeu, Feeney, you know, they were getting it out of there. Rod McDonald as well. You think they targeted that side when they saw that Jama was, uh, Arma wasn't playing? You think they probably targeted that side a little bit? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, there was nothing coming from Mella. You know, Mella is just this big physical right back that nothing gets passed. But Dickinson... He was all over the spot. His positional sense was dreadful. Um, 
they definitely targeted that side. And it, it, there were times where Morgan Feeney had to come out and like, help protect him, which with a capable, experienced, you know, the highest earner at the club with Brennan Dickinson, that shouldn't be happening. And yet uh, there were people calling for him to get taken off at half time. I was one of them. The people next to me were saying, I was, talk- I was talking to them um, about what should happen. But yeah, it was, it was all, it was just good defending from the centre-back, but getting Dickinson down that left side far, far too much. That's it, mate. And, and when they did try and attack down our right-hand side, uh, they, they managed to get a player sent off. A bit of a missed placed pass, which was intercepted by Meller, whose first touch was a little bit lackadaisical, which led to a sort of 50-50 challenge. And it is a 50-50 challenge. But the fact is the defender did leave his feet and Meller did not. Um, So it makes the impact look quite bad. Now, obviously, when you're looking at highlights from League Two, you don't get all the zoom-ins that you would get in the Premier League. And also, Gibson's decided to stand directly in the way of the impact. Um, So you don't get a good look of how much actual physical impact there is. Um, An experienced player like Meller is smart enough to make a meal out of these kind of situations. He is smart enough, has the experience to do it. Uh, Gibson sees the referee straight away and he's a wind-up merchant. And guess who the next person is in a Carlisle United shirt? who is closest to the referee. That's right. It's John Mellis. So you've got some very vocal players around the referee (laughs) and a very experienced player milking the situation. Now, once again, Liam, I wasn't there and I've only been able to see the highlights. It's one of those ones that sometimes it's a red card and sometimes it's a yellow card. Um, And because I'm a Carlisle United fan, it's definitely a fucking red card, mate, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I got a lot of shit on my video for saying that it was definitely a red card from a few Tranmere <laughs> fans. But it's the way it's the way he jumps into the tackle, which you can't do in the modern game. Like Meller, he stands firm, but you can't jump into a tackle. You can't challenge like that anymore. And he, no, he, and he leaves, might, he leaves he a stud face. You know, I got quite a good view well. of it. I was watching. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's why it was a red. There were people yeah. crying for, you know, you know the chant. You go off, 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 and then he does. So the crowd thought it was a red card. Well, the Carlisle <laughs> fans obviously did. And it, there was there was no there was no surprise when he got sent off. I think in a different situation, maybe maybe the because it's sort of in the first half, you maybe let him off with a yellow. But no, I thought the I thought the ref got the decision right because and Mellor definitely was milking it. He, he he got up straight away after we were sent off. So it was definitely a bit of a <laughs> bit of shit house room. Mellor's quickly becoming a fan favourite at Brunton Park because of how good his shithouser he is. And in this game, he was on he was on the ball. But yeah, I did want to point out the fact that he, he used his experience very well in this situation, stayed down and made it look painful. Um, and like you said, he obviously wasn't that badly hurt, was he? If he stood up the second the red card came out the pocket. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Carlisle went in at halftime, 1-0 down, but now one player up. And early in the second half, it only took 10 minutes for Omari Patrick to produce another moment of magic. Now, this is very similar to the goal that he scored maybe last weekend when he was in the corner uh, situation and managed to keep the ball in, go around uh, his man and then uh, end up setting up Dennis in the end. But on this occasion, he had enough magic in his pocket to set himself up. Um, 
when a player goes short for a corner in the way that Omari Patrick does here, you automatically assume that this is coming straight from the training ground, right? Like when you've got a set piece that someone's pulled short for, the ball goes short, you, you're assuming that there's a routine worked out here. There's no way you can plan to do this, though. <laughs> like There's no way in training that you can go, yeah, okay, so we take a short corner, okay, and then you pass it to Omari Patrick, and then you have to skin two or three players and then score in the top corner okay we can do that week in week out that's easy right no that's not real like no, that's not a set piece play that is not organized Omari Patrick decided F this I'm scoring a goal and he did it was fantastic uh, takes it with his left foot and then brings the ball onto his right foot after skipping past two defenders finds the uh, he's going for the bottom corner it takes a little deflection on its way in or a bobble or something on its way in and uh, it's just another fantastic moment for Omari Patrick in a Carlisle shirt, which once again proves to me that he is at least a League One standard player. Yeah, there'll be a lot of angry Burton Albion fans looking at Barbie letting go. He, he, <laughs> he can produce stuff like that, and you see it like the Bradford game on his debut, the Bradford game where he runs from the halfway line with the ball put it past the keeper he's got he's such a high quality player and he's one that I'm scared we're going to lose again because he's he's far too good to be in like he's in the bottom he's in the bottom half of league two he should be in like a top half league one team it, we're so lucky to have him and, and people were crying out in that January transfer window for a goal scorer because that's what we were missing and his goal scoring record I think he's up to eight now in like 13 games or some stuff like that. We've got that goal scorer and he's a very, very high quality player. And if Paul Simpson was to stay and we're on for a promotion push next season, I think he'll be a very big part of it. You need to put you need to, you need to try and get the boy to sign another contract in the summer as well. You don't want him to be having one year left of his contract when the season kicks off next year. You want to be thinking if we're going for playoffs, if Simo stays around, we're going for playoffs. Minimum, minimum, we're going to be going for those playoffs yeah. if Simo stays around. And someone like Omari Patrick on a one-year deal when you're trying to get promoted, if you don't have him in the bank, if you get promoted to a League One level, when you get promoted, that recruitment becomes all that more uh, vital because you don't want to lose these players that are League One standards. You want to keep on with you until you get into that next division. But as we've seen in the past, the sort of club that we are, and it's happened under Simo as well. Carl Hawley did the same thing. When Simo went to Preston, Carl Hawley went as well. And it's one of those situations where the club needs to be able to tie these players down to a slightly longer contract so even if a team does come in for them we can at least command you know just put in a minimum release clause of like even if it's just like 75k or or, or 100k it's not what they're worth fair enough but it's better than letting them go for nothing you know what I mean it's just better than letting them go for absolutely yeah. nothing whatsoever and I feel like the, that's a little thing that the lower league teams don't really utilize that much like they don't utilize minimum release clauses in the lower league because you could convince somebody to stay at your club if you put in a realistic minimum release clause for those players and I think that Omari Patrick will be happy to sign a two a three a four year fucking deal if the minimum release clause was only 90k you know <laughs> but at least at least we've signed him up and at least he's I never going to get released for nothing you what, sorry? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, yeah, just with Amani Patrick, I think one club that's going to be looking at him a lot is one of his four clubs in in Rex if they can get promoted. Oh, and with you know with just a year left on his contract after this season, I feel like yeah, there's a lot of Wrexham fans that want him back, and they're they're for a some team that they've got a soft spot for Carlisle United. I feel like Wrexham have got like a bit of a spot for Carlisle United players because they constantly are getting linked with our players right now, and we're obviously we are a selling club. And um, if you're willing to play for Carlisle, you're probably willing to play uh, in a lower division if you can get more money for it, which evidence has, has obviously proven that now. The way that Wrexham have been playing this season, they've started to sort of grow into their own and they've really turned a, a really nice run of form. And uh, probably 95% they're going to be in that playoff picture. Um, as far as automatic promotions go, I think they've been boxed out um, at this stage of the season. I'll have to have a look at the lower, uh, I'll have to have a look at the uh, the league table at some point. But um, Wrexham's Wrexham and we're talking about Tramia. Yeah, the National um, League only first place goes up. Yeah, man, I hate. I, I just, I just, I just. <sighs> Do you know the fucked up thing about that whole situation is that like there's no reason <laughs> that couldn't have been Carlisle. There's no reason Carlisle couldn't have got bought by Ryan Reynolds and, yeah, and, and exactly. Rob McElhaney. There's no reason. We're at the similar kind of team to Wrexham. We've got a similar kind of population in the city. Got a similar kind of football stadium, and like we're the division above. If that debt didn't exist, like honestly, I feel like we would have been very much in the hat for that for that opportunity to be there, to be where Wrexham are now, and have those millionaire owners. Um, and why not? Let's let's have a bloody bit of fun. But anyway, we've done our financing news. We're going to carry on talking about the Tranmere uh, match crack and uh, Tranmere. After the equaliser, um, managed to get themselves ahead once again in the game with uh, with only nine men. Uh, they waited until the 76th minute and hit Carlisle on the break. There's a set piece that was whipped into the box, cleared quite well by the Tranmere defence, but it did fall to Gibson. And Gibson had an opportunity to play in Omari Patrick. And there was a lack of communication between those two players, which led to an interception uh, for Tranmere to clear, play a big, long ball through, and uh, Nevitt got away from McDonald. And, and he finished really well, to be fair to him. You know, he had a lot to do. He picked the ball up around the halfway line. He did have a defender on his case. He did have a goalkeeper coming out to close him down. And uh, it is a well placed finish and that must have just added a lot to the atmosphere mate when that went in because I could imagine at this point of the game Carlisle were just starting to tr- sort of push and push and look for that winning goal and we just unfortunately got hit on the break so it must have been gutting yeah uh, well Tranmere were only down to 10 men at the time but even with that I think they'd been in a half but it was so so against the runner player. I think it was entirely our own doing, unfortunately, because the only play- the furthest player back was Danny Devine, and as good a midfielder I think he is, he's not known for his pace. Oh, you're he right. Yeah, that is Devine. Are yeah. on the wing, trying to put crosses into the box. Yeah, and 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 I have no idea where Feeney is. I've been very complimentary of him, but I have no idea where he was meant to be in this situation. We had no men back, and it's just a ball over the it's ball over the top. Gibson, I don't know what he's doing. But yeah, it, it's it was so gutting as well because we'd been so much shit after we after we scored because there was a real hostility between the away fans and the nearest stand on our left, and then they are. Oh, it, it was so so. It, 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 it was it was good. It was genuinely dreadful. That goal went in because we were 
that we probably deserved, to be honest with you, after after we'd scored. But but yeah, it it, it was awful, awful. Now, obviously, um, people might would have already heard what the result was and, and probably how the last goal went in for Carlisle, the equaliser. But there was another uh, red card before Carlisle got their equaliser. And it, this one probably uh, a more clear indication of a red card for me, mate. Uh, it's, it's a high foot. It's dangerous. I don't know if it makes contact to his face, but... Why? Uh, it's 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 McDonald, I believe, and and once again, it's a really good sell. <laughs> it's it's a really good sell. He keeps himself down. <laughs> he actually looks unconscious for the first couple of seconds, and um, I feel like that's that coupled with the fact that um, Carlisle fans were so vocal at that moment, you know, uh, led to led to the second red card and and was it the fallout from that red card that led to the seven or eight minutes of extra time mate like where did all that come from was it was it, was it a long situation to sort out that red card was it a big thing coming did it take ages for the red card to leave the referee's pocket yeah when when that second red went off uh, the, after, after all red cards there's a bit of a scrap with the players I think by the end of the match, two, both of the managers were booked. Uh, there was about five players booked, a lot of them on our team, to be honest with you. But all three of our centre-backs were booked by the end of it. It was such a nasty game. And it, that's where it came from, the amount of bookings, the amount of times Tranmere men went down injured when it was 1-1, you know, trying to get injury time. And as well, those instances where the ball went into the crowd and the crowd weren't given the ball back, they would pass it to the front row. And there would be some gets up and absolutely hoofs it into the... The stand. It was yeah. It was yeah. The injury time was definitely justified, and that red card. Nice. Yeah, there was no no doubt in my mind about it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I heard those comments. On, I've I've read those comments on social media about the fact that so so when the ball was going out for like a throw in or something, and it fell into the into the stand, or like the second or first row or something, they would just turn around and boot the ball towards the back of the stand. Is that what they were doing? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was kids, to be honest. It was it was it was kids that were doing it, and I bet they feel dreadful after that last minute goal winning because that goal doesn't go in without them pissing about time wasting. So yeah, it's it's I their own so. fault. And yeah, we got just. I hope so. End. Yeah, I really I really hope so, man. Because a lot of the comments aren't from Carlisle fans. A lot of the comments are from like Exeter fans and other football fans saying serves you fucking right because you did that against us, you know. <laughs> and it's it's proper shithousery from the fans, you know. It's it's like the worst place to to go to and maybe if you are a Tranmere fan it's the best place to go to because you get that sort of like fiery atmosphere <laughs> now after the second red card Simpson made a couple of substitutions and tried to focus the attack uh, a little bit more in Carlisle's favour and uh, we saw the return of Jimmy Tiore in the 78th minute and then Show Silver came on for Simeu in the 86th minute so uh, it's nice to see these two lads get an opportunity to uh, work in the front line but without taking Dennis and Patrick off how exactly did these two fit into the front line was Toure sort of like a like a false nine in that sort of midfield role between uh, the strikers and the attackers and then Show Silver got put into more of like a front three how did that work I think once they went down to nine men all formation just went out the window. They had eight men. That, no, that every single man of the Tranmere players was in their box, and it was just a line of Carlisle fans in and around the box. All defenders were in the box in, from open play. It was 
it was stupid. There was no man in the Carlisle half. It was just us pushing for that equaliser. Every single one of our attackers was on. There was no formation or rhythm to it. We were just hot hoofing it into the box, trying to get something going, passing it around the edge of the box. It was it was like it was like what Liverpool do at the minute, where they, where they just pass it around the box, waiting for an opportunity, and then all of a sudden, shot. I I I I actually shouted, "Don't shoot!" when he took the shot. That comes <laughs> off the crossbar, <laughs> and sure, Silver, which which with what I'm pretty sure was his first touch. I thought he chested it on the replays. It shows that he headed it. He just heads it into the into the goal. I don't know how he does it because it was low down the ball then when it yeah, came to him. And it just <laughs> yeah, there's no power on it at all though. It just kind of rolls into the back of the net. I'm I, I'm not <laughs> sure how one of the Tranmere players didn't like clear it off the line. But yeah, honestly, the roar when that went in was it was genuinely unbelievable. There's a clip of some lad falling down the stairs uh, when the goal went in, which is hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, honestly, it was a brilliant goal. That's that's another. Thing. We'll, we'll we'll actually we'll talk about it. I'll, I'll talk about the goal first, and then I'll talk about the celebration of the goal afterwards. Um, I'll just describe the goal first. It comes from like a goal kick position that's given short into Feeney. Feeney runs the the half length of the pitch with the ball, with whistles ringing around his ears. Tranmere fans begging for the whistles to be blown. They don't get what they want as the ball goes inside to uh, Gibson. It was a little look up. Looks like he's going to strike it. Skins uh, the defender and then strikes it from 35 yards out. And to be fair to him, it looks like it's going in. Um, and it would have been a hell of a winner. It bounces off the inside of the post and um, just poaches instinct, striker's instinct there. Show Silver is just in the right place at the right time. And every single one of his goals at Carlisle United so far um, has kind of been a case of if he's not hitting them on the break, he's in and around the six-yard box, you know, uh, and he's in the right position <laughs> to get these tap-ins. I don't know what it is about him that he just sort of, sort of like appears. I feel like, you know, it's, it's just sort of, he knows, he gets feelings about where the, where the rebounds are going to go. He, he knew where to be um, when, that, when that rebound came out. And yeah, you're right. It is just a little bit of a bumbling header that crosses the line. But... Um, Show Silver scores a winner again. Show, show, show it's magic, you know. Um what 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 was that <laughs> moment like, mate? It sounds deafening. And uh, what I do want to say is, what the hell's the deal with them barriers right across the front of the pitch? It makes you dislike Tranmere even more that you can't get close enough to the pitch to properly support your team. Yeah, um, well, that's what happened. The the, the, the barriers, somebody leaned on one of them. And just went straight through it and fell down the stairs. That's where that's where that came from. But it <laughs> that that ground, if done right, is a brilliant championship level ground because each stand is brilliant. But I think yeah, there was a lot of stewards, a lot of police down in that area, um, which is what kind of stopped it. And and yeah, uh, understandably so because there isn't that much divide in the two stands. So you know and and and. Without trying to be too offensive to the Tranmere fans, they were they were dirty guys, and they, we were getting shouted abuse, sort of you know, threats <laughs> shouted over the over the from the from the uh, from the home fans. But yeah, I, I think for safety reasons, it probably should have been like that. But it, it was just we all went in. Oh my god, it felt like when Feeney scored at Oldham. It was such a good just feeling. It was relief from anything because I don't think I could walk away from that ground having standing men. I thought that would have been a dreadful, dreadful result. And the Tranmere fans are jeering, you know, they're doing that shit thing where they kick it up into the stands and you're getting frustrated and frustrated. 
Yeah, I mean, Mello I mean, goes they, over they... to home fans to his little cuffs his ears celebration. And... <laughs> yeah, Mello enjoyed it. Lots of the players enjoyed it, man. And obviously the Carlisle faithful uh, getting getting that last minute equaliser. Uh, going into the game at Tranmere at the start of the day, you would have taken a draw. They're a team that have been doing very well this season. You would have been happy with a draw. The fact that they went down to nine men at one point clouds your judgment slightly, perhaps. And I feel like a draw is a very fair result from the game. Um, I did tell you last week when you told me you were going to Tranmere just to look after yourself a little bit. And uh, I mean, that, that's just Tranmere, mate. It's a hostile environment and they try and make it very feisty for uh, the away players and the away fans. And I feel like Paul Simpson actually had something to say to the News and Star about the verbal abuse that they were receiving in and around the bench um, and basically calling the stewards out and the security out, saying that what's the point in them even being there if they're not going to say and do anything when the crowd are being that kind of uh, offensive, I suppose. But yeah, the game finished 2 all, a last-minute equaliser, Joe Silva with a stumbling header, uh, another winner for him, another goal for him, another point for Carlisle as we get closer to that 50-point mark, which is proper, proper safety when you're on 50 points in League Two. Um, before we move away from the match crack, mate, as we always do, we're going to give our Foxies feature, uh, man of the match. And this time, I feel like I'm going to go first. You were there at Tranmere. I wasn't. I've only really got the uh, the highlights to to go off. And um, from what I can see, somebody that had uh, an impact on the game, somebody that was um, pulling a couple of strings here and there, was uh, Jordan Gibson. Uh, and it might be a bit of a, a weird shout because you watched the whole game and maybe he didn't do enough to, to sort of impress you for his full game. But for me, Gibbo seemed that even if he did make a few mistakes here and there, he was constantly trying to move the ball forward. And uh, that's just vital when you need an engine room in the midfield. Who are you going for? Yeah, Gibson <laughs> he, he, Gibson played well up until that mistake that led to Tranmere's second goal. So I think for that, I'm probably going to take it away from him and give it to a different attacker that I thought played really well. And we've spoken about him already. Amari Patrick, you know, he, he was a brilliant, he had a brilliant, brilliant game today. I, I, I usually give mine in the match to Morgan Feeney, but we've considered two goals. And I don't really want to give it to a centre-back after that. But yeah, Amari Patrick, he, he getting pushed against by Tranmere and it wasn't looking too great. It was always him that provided the attack and threat, uh, trying to break into their half. He's just a brilliant player and I'm, I'm going to give him the Man of the match for 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 for, for Tramir. Yeah, that's 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 fair. Man, with the goal that he scored as well, literally, you can't. You know, there's, there's no one else at. Uh, to be credited for that goal, apart from Omari Patrick, he, he pulled it, he's pulled his socks up, and he scored that goal of his own, uh, of his own back, as it were. So uh, very, very fair that he has won your Foxy's feature man of the match award. Now next weekend, Carlisle United will be playing against Exeter, another playoff slash uh, automatic promotion chasing team. It seems like we're going through a bit of uh, a difficult fixture pile up at the moment. We've played a lot of the top six teams apart from Forest Green um, in the month of March and uh, coming into April with only sort of Barrow and Rochdale as, as our, our light relief, as it were. Um, <laughs> with that being said, mate, Exeter... 
are doing really well this season. They look like they 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 have really stepped up into a nice run of form at the moment. They're, they're the one of the informed teams in the league alongside uh, Port Vale uh, to beat. And Salford are obviously turning uh, their charm on and trying to mount a last-minute uh, sort of playoff push towards uh, their the playoffs there. But Exeter City, mates, uh, they're one of those teams that always seem to be in League Two. Um, they they they're bottle jobs uh, notoriously. They don't seem to be able to to either get promoted or or stay in League One on those rare occasions that they do get promoted. On this time, mate, they are five points clear. Within the playoffs, eight uh, within the automatic promotion places, eight points clear um, from dropping out of the playoffs. So um, it's not impossible to imagine them actually being able to maintain promotion this year. Um, do you have any sort of comments about Exeter City? Do you think they're bottle jobs as well? I think historically they have been, and you think of that playoff semi final. They're they're a very good team and they have been for quite a few seasons. I'd love us to beat them. I think we probably will, but I think come the end of the season, they're prob- I, I, I would think that they will come league over Forest Green. I think they'll win the, the whole thing because they'll finish top. Yeah. Lift. There we go. There we go. So close to the end, so yeah. close to the end. Did you say X? Did you say X? <laughs> so are going to win the league. I do. Because I, I, I think as, as much as there are bottle jobs, I think Orange Green are much more that. But I think Exeter are probably going to, yeah, I think they'll finish top. And I hope they do go up because I don't want to have to, because it's a shit away game, isn't it? It's so far down. I'm, I hope they do go up so we don't have to go there next season. Well, someone who has made the long travel to Exeter from the north is Ozzy Zanzala. Uh, Ozzy Zanzala is on loan from Barrow. He's playing at Exeter City at the moment. So if you go to Brunton Park on Saturday, you might see the return of Offrand Zanzala, which uh, um, leads quite nicely to uh, the shit stirrer because that's what Offrand Zanzala is, an absolute shit stirrer by signing <laughs> for Barrow. So we're going to move on to Skelly's shit stirrer. And this week... Um, uh, it's just a bit of fun, all right? It's always just a bit of fun. We don't take Skelly <laughs> Shit's era too seriously. So I'm just going to read out what I've got <laughs> written down, mate. If you could replace Gav Skelton and add another coach, um, what two ex-Carlisle United players would you like to see in the backroom setup? Or would you keep Skelton the blood-sucking leech? <laughs> I mean, that's a bit... Bit harsh on Skelton, but uh, <laughs> if 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 he'd <laughs> be a good youth coach, I don't know why. He just uh, I'm trying to take the youth team. He would. I'm trying to Ziggo Ziggo. He was linked with the job. I can't say second name. Ziggo Ziggo Aranalde. Yeah, you got it. You got yeah, it. that's the one. Yeah, yeah. I think he's he's in um, Qatar now where uh, Xabi who's got the Barcelona he used to be at he's at old club so you know the, the very big I don't know if he's first team manager but he, he's over there at the minute and yeah I think he would be a very good one to have back he was one that was linked with the first team manager's job in the summer so he would be he was the first name that came to mind and then I oh. think just to get another local lad back into the setup probably bring in Danny Granger He's unemployed you, at the you minute. Got, you, bring you him into the like back room. Like 
yeah. <laughs> Fullbacks <laughs> back the best managers. It's 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 it's. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong, man. You're not right. I mean, from experience, like there's some of the top managers in the world right now. Yeah, Pep was, wasn't he? I believe Pep played a bit of fullback. Uh, oh well, oh well, oh well. Um, I, I think they're both good choices, mate. I do, I do. I think they're both good choices. But when you went with Aronaldo, I was expecting maybe like more of an attacking coach to kind of balance him out a little bit. And uh, if it was me, if you pick Aronaldo and I could pick the other coach to kind of balance it out as a striker, someone that's been around the game a bit, somebody that's trying to uh, to get themselves in the game. I'd be tempted to go for maybe a Michael Bridges or a Derek Holmes uh, type of player. Um, both guys that are trying to get into coaching, trying to get into management and uh, have a lot of goal-scoring experience under their belt, as well as one of them being a Blue Army podcast faithful favourite. Um, mate, Liam... It's been a fantastic episode, <laughs> bar the uh, technical issues that we've, uh, we've we've managed to negotiate quite well. Uh, once again, we've probably gone over the hour mark, but that's just what we do, mate. We enjoy talking about Carlisle United, and hopefully the listeners enjoy listening to our rambles about Carlisle United. There's not a lot left to do, mate, apart from to say... This has been episode 62 of the Blue Army podcast. We are currently proudly sponsored by the old fire station Carlisle. Get your tickets for the Mick Wadsworth night via the link in the description to this podcast. Liam Denwood, thank you so much for joining us. And all we've got left to say is bye for now. Maris, how's it going? It's once again my pleasure to introduce you to the first ever sponsors of the Blue Army podcast. That's right, I'm talking about the old fire station Carlisle. And this time we have an event for you that is specially tailored towards the listeners of the Blue Army podcast. It's a Q&A and an evening discussion with none other than former Carlisle United manager Mick Wadsworth, that's right, Mick Wadsworth, the promotion-winning manager from 1993 till 1996. A manager that had 
such players as Rory Delap, Richie Prokas and the late great Tony Hopper in his squad. So once again it will be a Q and A and a discussion with Mick Wadsworth which I'm sure will be a fantastic evening. All of this is in aid of Eden Valley Hospice and is taking place on the 6th of May. Tickets cost £12.50, details of the event and many, many other events are available at the Old Fire Station's website which you can find by typing in www.ofscarlisle.co.uk Once again that is www.ofscarlisle.co.uk Get your tickets now and don't miss out, it's going to be a great night. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.